Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. And welcome to Keepers of the Flame podcast, where together we weather this storm. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number one, The Breast Cancer Storm. You are not alone in this battle. In this episode, we're going to talk about what a journey is and what is this breast cancer journey that we are on and when, oh, when can we call ourselves done with it? Because if you're anything like me, you want it to be done. We're also going to talk at the end about what are some strategies and tips to remember when you feel like you're drowning in it all. I am a breast cancer survivor myself, and I have a medical degree from absolutely nowheresville. And for those that are not reading between that sarcasm dripping all over those words, I do not have a medical degree. There is no institution called nowheresville that gives them away. I am just somebody who has been there and done that. And I can speak from my experiences as well as collecting the information from those that I've interviewed. I've talked to other survivors, talking to therapists, talking to surgeons, talking to anybody and everybody that can give me their perspective on this journey. And so this is me putting it all together. But again, my medical degree is from absolutely nowhere. That being said, I hope that you can still find some value and some of the things that I've put together. I cannot promise that I'm gonna always have the answers. I wish I did, but my crystal ball is broken and I don't have anything, I got squat there. All I have is my experiences and what I've learned through this journey of my own. And I wanna share that with you. I can promise to be 100% authentic with you and to do everything within my power to light the way even just a little bit more to help make it easier for those of you that are following in these footsteps. I call this episode the breast cancer storm because that is exactly what it felt like to me. When I first found out that I had cancer, I felt like I was starting on this really terrifying journey. I was stepping my feet onto this rickety old raft and this thing that was falling apart had to somehow sail me across this giant sea of uncertainty with waves crashing all about me, the sky dark and ominous, and I just didn't feel like I could find that light. I felt like I was swallowed up by darkness and I didn't know how this little tiny old rickety raft was going to get me where I needed to go. And like all journeys that we have in life, there's the beginning, the middle, and the end. The beginning of this journey is that moment when you step your feet onto that rickety raft and you're just starting to push away from the safety of the shore. That's that moment. The moment that your feet hit that raft, that's the the beginning of it all. This is when you're told that you have breast cancer. That's the diagnosis. The diagnosis is the moment that you are pushing away from the shore. And when people hear you have breast cancer, they can respond in several different ways. And to be honest, all of them are okay. 
because we're human beings and we're going to respond to adversity differently. That's okay. Some people will retreat into themselves and get silent and try to stuff it all away and bury it deep within. Others get angry and they'll lash out at people or at situations. Some people will be in denial. This is not happening to me. Nope, can't happen. And bury your head in the sand. Some people will just cry uncontrollably or fall to the floor. Me? Well, I had all of that at some point in time. But when I initially, when I initially found out, here's how it all went down. We were at a playground and I was with my best friend and our kids were running around, having a jolly old good time, screaming, laughing, and having, having fun in the background when my phone rang. And I didn't answer it. I should have answered it, darn it, but I didn't. So once I realized, oh, that could have been the doctor, I, I should probably call them back. And I dialed in the code to retrieve that mystery message. When I heard that voice on the other line, I laughed. Laughter is what came out of my body. I didn't cry or yell or anything. I laughed. That was my initial response. I thought this couldn't be true. This was a mistake. It was a mix up. This was somehow a really bad joke, a rotten, terrible, terrible joke. But it had to be because it couldn't be true. I was in denial. And I thought that if I laughed, I could somehow deny that they were actually talking to me. In this phone call, they just told me that I had three masses. We didn't know what that meant at that time. But still, I denied that they were talking about me. It couldn't be true. Once I let that sink in and I realized that they actually did have the right person, they were talking to me, I was the one that had these three masses, then I, I saddled up with the way that I've always handled any adversity in my life. And you see, I've always been Miss Positive, Miss Optimistic. That glass is half full, and if it's not, I'm finding that faucet and I'm filling it up myself. I shifted from laughter to determination. I was on a mission. I have cancer, get it out. They made it to the lymph nodes, squash it. I need radiation, do it. I was on crisis management mode Joyce. I was on this mission to get it done and to get it done efficiently. What was my treatment plan and how could I get through it? And in this let's conquer the world, don't mess with me, I've, I'm on a mission mode, I naively thought that I could make it through this trauma in my life, standing strong and courageous, positive and never fall. Yeah, right, you can already see where this is going, right? It's not that I didn't know what fear or sadness or grief were like. I was not a stranger to these emotions. I had felt them before in my life, but this was different. This cancer diagnosis, this was a different level of intense emotions that I had never before experienced. Prior to this moment in my life, when those negative emotions would hit me, it would be like a gentle wave. They would come and they would hit me and they would wash away and they'd hit me and they wash away, but not this. No, no, they were not those gentle waves like I had once before known. They were a freaking tsunami. It had a wall of water so strong that it picked me up off my feet and dumped me in some deep foreign part of the ocean where I couldn't touch the bottom and I couldn't see the shore. I was lost, I was confused, I was in over my head, I was exhausted, and I felt like at any moment I was going to drown. When these foreign, unknown, overwhelming emotions decided to pick me up and throw me to some deep depths of the ocean, 
my initial response was, I'm going to ignore them. If I pretend that they're not there, then they can't bother me. If I have this fear and sadness and grief floating beside me, if I dress them up in a pretty little dress and a bow and say, well, you're not that bad because, or it could be worse, and I'm very grateful because of, and if I would silver lining everything to death, then I wouldn't actually face that fear and that sadness because I could trick myself to think that that pretty little costume I put it in meant that it wasn't there. But you and I both know it didn't go away. It's still sitting there. It just has a different dress on. I wanted to ignore and to deny that fear and that sadness. I wanted to deny that they were there at all because I thought that that fear and sadness was weakness. I thought if I acknowledged their existence at all, then I was somehow no longer strong. And I couldn't afford to not be strong. I, I had to have that. In order to make it through, weakness was not something that I could have. But here's the thing. You cannot go through a trauma such as this and never feel anything. Emotions are bound to rise. They're bound to rise because we are human beings. Okay, fine. So I can't dress you up and pretend that you're not there. I then shifted to going, all right, well, fear and sadness are going to be here, so let's face them. And then I thought that if I was going to face them, it was going to be me or them. I thought that I had to fight off those negative emotions. I thought that it was going to either be that strong, happy Joyce was going to win or fear and sadness was going to win. I thought that it was me or them. And that scared me too because I couldn't afford to lose. I did not want that fear and sadness taking over who I was. I struggled a lot with that because I was trying to fight off against them, to carve off that fear and sadness from my being like they had done the tumor itself. But it doesn't work like that. You can't just melon baller out those negative parts of us and pretend that they're not there. They are part of us. All right, fine. So after I realized that I can't dress them up and pretend that they're something other than what they are, and it wasn't me versus them, I finally realized that it's more about acceptance. It's about recognizing that the good, the bad, and the ugly, they are all part of us, but they don't define us. They just get folded in as part of the person that we are becoming. Let me put it to you this way. I like to say that you will never, ever, ever find me eating a raw egg. That is just absolutely nasty. No thanks. But I absolutely love me some cookie dough, and I will gobble that whole thing up. I will eat the entire batter. But you can't have good cookie dough without putting that egg and folding it into. And the same thing with our emotions. We are the entire batter. We are all of that cookie dough. And it wouldn't exist if we didn't have that negative, icky, icky, sticky egg folded in there too. Same with our emotions. I am neither the raw egg alone, nor am I those yummy, sweet, delicious chocolate chips. I am all of it. I'm the entire batter. Same with us. We are not defined by only those negative emotions or those positive ones. Our being includes them all. That egg may be part of the batter. These negative emotions may be part of who we are, but they don't define who we are either. Now, I wish I could say that I finally came to this recognition like that, but I did not. It took me a long time to come to this realization and a lot of time spent in therapy too, which I highly recommend to everybody, it's a really good place to have space to unload 
and to work through and practice some strategies and tools to deal with this kind of stuff. For me, it helped me embrace and recognize that happy-go-lucky Joyce wasn't all of who I was either and that that was okay. These negative emotions, we may not like them. They're not pleasant, but they have value and they're a part of us too. Recently, my dad shared with me a, an image of a glass that had that age-old question, is the glass half full or half empty? If you would have asked me, I would have said it's always half full, always. But this picture was brilliant because it had a picture of a glass and it had water that was halfway full. And on the bottom part, it had a bracket that said half full by the water. And then on the top part where there's air, it had another bracket that said half full. In other words, a new spin on this age-old question, that glass is not half full or half empty. It is 100% full. It's just half of it has water and half of it has air. And air has value and water has value. And the same thing with our emotions. Those negative ones have value as do our positive ones. In fact, you cannot have courage without first knowing fear. So accept them is part of you. Give yourself permission to be human. It is a roller coaster ride, I tell you, both physically and emotionally. And that's okay. After you've dealt with that initial blow and you've processed through it and you've gotten onto your treatment plan, that's when you're in the middle of your trial. That's when you're in the midst of the storm itself. It's when you're working through that treatment plan. And yes, it is exhausting. Emotionally, as we just talked about, and also physically, there are lots of changes that are happening and they're happening at a record-breaking pace. There are changes that are happening both inside your body and on the outside. Sometimes your body, your body may just ache on the inside. I know my bones hurt. Some people lose their breasts, either all of them or part of them, or your hair it sometimes seems like you're losing your identity, and that's scary. It threatens a sense of security that you once knew. It rips this illusion of control right on out of your hands, and you feel like there's yet another loss, that loss of control. There are so many big, huge decisions in life that are happening whether you want them to or not. I talked to my therapist a lot about this loss of control because it really bugged me. I'm kind of a control freak. And time and time and time and time and time again, she would tell me, I'm a slow learner. It took me a while, but she would tell me that you have to let go of the things that you cannot control and focus on the ones that you can. All right. Well, I didn't choose to have cancer. I didn't choose for that cancer to make it to my lymph nodes. I didn't choose for the fear of dying to take center stage, to become a real possibility. I didn't want to lose my breasts and I didn't want to lose my hair. Those were things that were happening to me that I didn't seem to have much control over. But when you make this small shift and you recognize that you may not have control over some of those big things, but you focus on those things that you can control instead, y'all, it's empowering. I've heard some people say that if they had to do it all over again, they would pick that same route, do cancer again, blah, 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 because it brought about all these great things as a result. And and maybe some good things have come from it. But y'all, I am not that person. If somebody came to me and said I could have a do-over and try it all again, y'all, I would say, 
Keep that shit the hell away from me. No, thank you. But that's not the way that it works either. I can't have that choice to go back in time and redefine my own path. It doesn't work like that. So since I can't rewrite my history and I couldn't have control of those, over those big moments, here's what I can control. I could choose to go to the doctor. I can choose to be proactive. I chose to have my head shaved. I chose to do that on my terms. When I was told that I had to have chemo and that my hair was going to fall out, I didn't want that to happen. But since it was going to happen, whether I wanted it to or not, I decided that I wanted to say when and I wanted to say how. So I chose to go make a day of it, have my head shaved. I cried the entire time, but I did it on my time. That's a choice that I made. It was a small choice, but it was one that made me feel like I had an ounce of control. Now, I'm not saying that that's the choice that you have to make, but my point is, is that there are small things that you do get to decide. So take ownership of those. You can choose to be proactive. You can choose to go to the doctor, even though it might be scary. You can choose to ask those questions, to be your number one advocate. And when you get overwhelmed with those emotions, well, you can find ways to release that emotional buildup. You can journal. You can reach out to a friend. You can talk to another survivor, somebody that has been there, somebody that has done that to try to get perspective or to feel a little bit more prepared for what might be coming next. You can ask for help. You can create a musical playlist for songs that make you feel better. Those are all things that you can do. Those are things that you do have control over. In regards to control, and it's a big word for me, y'all, but in regards to control in my own life, a big piece of it is the fact that I am Braca too. And it bothers me immensely that there's always this possibility that I may have passed that gene onto my children. And the reality is, I don't have control over whether or not they inherited that gene. But when I make that small shift, I can recognize that, yeah, I don't have control over the genes that they inherited from me. But I can control, in part, the kind of world that I want them to inherit. So therefore, I can, I can choose to be an advocate. I can spread about awareness and education. I can help motivate women to pay attention, to be vigilant, and to know and own their own bodies. And for my kids, I can teach them resiliency. I can teach them how to sculpt good from those shadows. And when they feel like they've been in their own street fight, whether it's this or it's something else, adversity is going to hit. I can't shield them from that. And when they feel like they're knocked to the floor and they don't know how to stand again, I can teach them how to find your feet beneath you and rise once again. That I can do. You fell off your bike learning to ride. It's hard and it hurts. And yeah, you might bleed. But we're going to try again. We're going to get up after we fall. Life is hard. But as I've been telling my girls, we can do hard things. We can. After I had chemo. I was laying in the bed and my body just would not do as my mind commanded. I could not get up. It just, my mind would say, move legs, move, go in the other room. My girls were playing and laughing and I wanted to be a part of that, but my body would not do as my mind said. And that was infuriating, but I made the choice to go through with my treatment anyway, because I knew that in the long run, it was in my best interest. So yeah, I didn't want to do any of this, 
but I made the choice to go to the doctor. I made the choice so that I could have the best prognosis I could possibly have so that my future would be longer, so that I could be there with my children as long as possible. I might not have been able to be there that one day because the medicine just had me crippled and in pain and I just couldn't move. But I made that choice knowing all the tomorrows that it would let me have. When I was first diagnosed with cancer, I had spoken with other survivors and they became like this image of a lighthouse out in the distance. When I could see that they had made it to the other side, they had weathered their own storm and they had made it, that gave me hope. Their trials, their tears, their experiences helped shine a light. Both them, those that made it, and those that didn't. Their stories matter. What they went through helps to pave the way for those that come after them. And what I realized is it's not just one person that makes this big difference. Because one act alone isn't what creates greatness. Rather, it's the collectivity of all of our stories, of all of our small acts, of all of our supporters that brings about that change. Each one of these stories, each one of these supporters, from women who made it and women that didn't, each one is its own flicker of light telling its own secret. And when they unite, it increases the light and it makes it so bright and so warm and calming for those that are sailing those troubled waters. Together, we will weather it. You are not alone. Y'all, I've spoken and interviewed numerous women. And when I spoke with those who paved the way and came generations before me, some older women, they explained how in their day, they weren't actually able to say the word mastectomy without there being shame. It was somehow a forbidden word. So women who had to go through it often suffered alone. But thank God for these trailblazers Because by the time my time came around and I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I could actually say out loud, yes, I am having this terrible thing happening to my body and I have to have a mastectomy. I could say that. And with me being able to speak those words out loud and when other people knew about it, I was able to have an incredible support system. I didn't have to do it on my own. I think that we still have a ways to go as a society though, especially in terms of shame. My generation may be able to say, yes, I have a mastectomy, but we still need to erase that shame that's associated with the emotional wounds. The emotional scars and the emotional healing that accompanies a cancer diagnosis, y'all, it is a real thing, it happens. And I want women in that next generation to know, A, you are not alone. It's part of this journey. It's just a part that nobody's really talking about yet. It's a thing. So A, yeah, you're, you're not alone. And B, I want women to know what they can do about it. I think that we need to take away and rip off this Band-Aid. It's almost like there's this pink gossamer gown that's shielding and protecting all of those emotions that are hiding within. It conceals them. Yes, we are those strong women with smiles and pretty and pink and we're fearless and we're going to kick some ass. Hell yeah, we, we embrace all of that. But that's not all that we are either. There's a lot more that's going on beneath that surface. We can address that when we rip off that shield. I think that change can be made and we can push forward and make a difference when we actually face it. When we actually show survivorhood, when we show this breast cancer battle for what it really is, for all that it is, 
the physical and the emotional hurdles. Only when we start to say that out loud, only when we let that dialogue begin, can we talk about the scaffolding that we need in order to address it. As I've already said, I've done several, several interviews and every single person that I spoke to has echoed these emotional truths. It is a thing. I even had women tell me, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. No, you're not. It happens. But knowing that there is this emotional wound that needs tending does not mean that we can't move past it. It doesn't mean that we can't heal. It does not mean that we can't tend to those wounds. We can, but we do need to face it and address it first. When we are open and we are authentic and honest about this aspect to cancer, we can start that dialogue and not be so afraid of our humanity. People would tell me that I was so strong. They would say, oh man, Joyce, if it was me, I'd be on a floor crying. But oh wait, I did that. Y'all, I was laying in the fetal position, curled up on the cold, tiled kitchen floor, crying hysterically, gasping for air, crying, red puffy face, tears, didn't think I was ever going to stand again, meltdown. I did it. I was distraught. I was overwhelmed. I felt helpless and hopelessness wedged itself into my soul. Y'all, I fell. I literally fell. One of my doctors, he told me, and he was, he was serious. He said, you know, you're fighting breast cancer, and that automatically makes you a badass. I liked him. But you know what? No matter your diagnosis, DCIS all the way up the gambit, you're fighting something like this? Y'all, it's your body. It's your mind. It's your soul. And you are entitled to feel however you feel whenever the hell you feel it. And because you're dealing with this and you're dealing with the effect that it has on your body and your mind and your soul, yeah, just like my doctor said, you, you are a badass. I had women tell me that they had a hard time accepting themselves and their new bodies and how they looked. And you know, it's easy for us to criticize and compare. I wrote this in... in, uh, article on that you can find it on the website where I talk about accepting and recognizing what true beauty is because it is easier for us to criticize and compare to mourn for what we've lost or to yearn for what we lack it's easy to fuel anger and judgment while ridiculing our differences and our vulnerabilities but y'all I own this body that houses me it is mine it belongs to me and no other It is what carries me through this life and every scrape, every bruise, every scar, visible and invisible that it keeps belongs to me too. They are mine. This is me. This body is my boat, my vehicle that affords me life. This is who I am, down to the stitches that have sewn me together. No matter the shape, no matter the size, no matter the losses or the scars, the fact that my body is still here, still breathing, that it still carries me day after day and year after year, that is perhaps the most beautiful thing that I could ever dream up. Embrace your own bodies, your own scars. Hug, kiss, and bless the brokenness that makes you. Your body is the vessel that carries you through life. And that, in and of itself, 
makes it one of the most coveted and beautiful things in the world. So take care of it, protect it, love it, and do not apologize for any piece of it. Do not apologize for your physical self or your emotional self. Love and accept you in your entirety because you're beautiful. And as my doctor said, you are a badass. So in regards to your journey, your breast cancer storm that you're on, you had your beginning, the rickety raft, the middle in the midst of the waves, and then the end is when you reach that lighthouse on the other side. But when you get there, don't be surprised if those emotional wounds are still a little tender. Here's the thing about a journey. My ninth grade English teacher, she used to have a sign hanging across her blackboard Yes, I'm old. This was way before dry erase boards were a thing. Anyhow, it read, happiness lies in the journey, not at the end of the road. Now, I've thought about this quote quite a bit throughout my life. What's really in a destination anyhow? I mean, it's final. It's done. And we're only done when we're dead. And I don't want to be dead. A journey, on the other hand, now that is the ultimate gift. When I did a quick Google search on the word journey, Just about every definition implied that it's the passage from one place to another. Well, life itself is by all definitions a journey, a gift. All right, sure, I could concede happiness exists within that journey itself then. It has to be there. It has to be there because at the end you're not moving or being or feeling or living. However, here's the kicker, y'all. Happiness may be in the journey But it is not the only thing within that passage either. Sadness and fear can lurk there in places too. I mean, after all, what would the Odyssey be without Odysseus' encounter with adversity? Y'all, it's the way a journey goes. There'll be good things and there'll be bad things. That's the way life goes. There'll be good moments and there'll be bad moments. That is the Odyssey, the pilgrimage, the trek. That's the journey itself. And the same is true for all of us and our journeys. Knowing that your ending has not been reached, knowing that that last line has not been written, that your story is still being told, that is one pretty amazing gift. Embrace the experiences within your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that entire cookie dough batter. You might not like that egg, but it has its role too. Recognize your life is that complete journey for It's a beautiful thing in its entirety. Earlier in the year, I attended a three-day event, and it was out in San Diego where we would walk 60 miles in three days, and we were raising funds and awareness for breast cancer. And it was fun. It was a great experience. But I'm not going to lie. In this journey, there was also some pain. Y'all, we had body aches. We were exhausted, 60 miles. I mean, come on, you're not going to get out of that without being tired, right? And blisters, it was a thing. We climbed anyway, despite that pain. We trekked up these giant mountains. Y'all, I'm from Georgia. We, We don't have hills here, so anything with a slight elevation, that's a darn mountain in my mind. But we marched up these giant mountains, blisters and all. We climbed despite that pain that we had, despite that hardship, despite those darn blisters. And when we got to the top, what a view. I know I said that I was going to talk about a journey and the beginning, the middle, and the end. But knowing that you are still journeying, that your last line hasn't been written, 
That is where the power is. Recognize that you will get up every single day and move forward with something. Some days are going to be good and some aren't. Some are going to be a bunch of poop. That's okay because we're human and we're still moving. We're still living. We are still journeying. But what do you do when you're in the middle of that storm and you really do feel like you're drowning? Well, recognize the cookie dough. Recognize that that egg is getting folded in. I know that it's hard to take a step back and to look at the bigger picture when you're in the middle of the trenches there. But this is when another strategy comes into play that my therapist actually told me. She put it in terms of a metaphor, which is great because I speak metaphor. I had told her that I felt like I was drowning. I was completely overwhelmed. I was treading water, my arms, my legs. I felt like they were moving vigorously just to keep my head above water. And it was exhausting me. And the waves were still relentless. And the current was strong. And I just felt like at any moment, I was just going to get sucked under, that I wasn't going to make it. I was exhausted and I really just didn't think I could do it anymore. And she gave me some brilliant advice in metaphor form. Love me some metaphors. She said, when you feel like that, what's wrong with rolling onto your back and taking a moment to float. And I thought that was genius because that's exactly what we tell our kids when we teach them how to swim. When they get tired or they find themselves getting into trouble, we teach them to roll onto their back and float. It doesn't mean that they're done. It doesn't mean that the swim is over. But when they take a moment and roll onto their back to float, it allows them to catch their breath and it gives them a moment, just one moment, before trying to swim again. The same exact thing applies to us and our storms. When you feel like you're drowning, when you feel like you're in over your head, take a moment and pause. Roll onto your back and float. It's about taking a moment to just catch your breath. It doesn't mean that you are giving up. It doesn't mean that you are done. It's about taking a moment to breathe, to give yourself a moment, just one moment to just be. There'll be time for swimming again as soon as you've caught your breath. It took me some time to figure out how to actually take this advice, as genius as it is, how to take it out of the metaphor. What is floating? What does that actually mean? How does it look? Well, floating can look different from one person to the next. It can be about taking a hot shower and feeling the beads running down your back. It can be holding a cup of tea and feeling that heat transfer into your body. It could be doing yoga or journaling or listening to calm, relaxing music. Floating could mean that you go for a run or that you talk to a friend. It looks different from one person to the next. In that moment, when you roll onto your back and you take a moment to catch your breath, it's not about solving your problems in that moment. It's not about outlining action plans. There'll be time for that swimming later. Just take that moment to float, to catch your breath. And then when you feel like you're in over your head and you allow yourself that opportunity, you'll be stronger and ready to move forward once you've caught your breath. Look for your own figurative lighthouse and know that you're not alone. Recognize that the light you see, it's not about one person that creates that glow. It's not about one person that radiates out that hope. It's all of us. It's you and it's me. And then recognize the power of one. One flicker combined with others is really not that little. And know that you, you 
are one. You are one that can make a difference. And it's not that you could be or that you might be one day. You already are. You already have that power to brighten up the world. You are not alone. We are not alone in our fights against cancer. And we're not alone in that quest for a cure either. Together, we will pave the way so that this trail is made easier and easier for those newly diagnosed. And we'll keep doing that until eventually this storm becomes a thing told in the history books. The more light, the more lighthouses, the more keepers of the flames that there are, the closer we get to that. Thank you for joining us here today. For more information, please visit our online Breast Cancer Resource Center at www.togetherweweather.org. Here you'll have access to resources, education, outreach opportunities. You can hear interviews from other survivors, have access to articles. So check it out and then share both our podcast and our website with other women and their families who may be dealing with a diagnosis like this. I'm looking forward to speaking with y'all again soon. Until then, remember that together we weather this storm. You are never alone.